My name is John Cullen, and I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and curling. It's the story of Broomgate, how a single broom, yes, a broom, turned friends into foes and almost killed the 500-year-old sport of curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. Broomgate, available now. You're listening to a Frequency Podcast Network production in association with City News. Before we begin today, I guess I am obligated to say this. Warning, this podcast contains spoilers for, well, for a handful of movies and books that are actually known for their spoilers. And most of them are from more than a decade ago. So if you are still waiting, for instance, to see The Sixth Sense or read the Harry Potter books, or maybe you're thinking of checking out what this whole Star Wars thing is about, consider yourself warned. For the rest of us, though, how well do you remember these? Severus. Please. Avada Kedavra. I see people. They don't know they're dead. No. I am your father. Here's my question. If you love any of these works, did you love them less the second time, even though you knew exactly what was coming? I'll ask it another way. Why are we so obsessed with avoiding spoilers for absolutely everything, all of the time? What does it do to a film or a show or a book when the big reveal is the main and almost total focus of the conversation around the art. What do we miss while we're waiting for the big reveal, while we're so glad we dodged all those pesky spoilers? I'm Jordan Heath-Rawlings. This is The Big Story. Emily St. James is a senior correspondent for Vox. Emily, how are you doing? I'm doing great. I just want to say that you can spoil me during this conversation. I'm hoping that I can spoil you. We won't actively try to spoil things for listeners, um, but there might be some. Are you okay with that? Yeah, I'm fine with that. Rosebud was the sled. There we go. Um, okay. Yeah, so first, got it out of the way. Yeah, and, and, and we're going to get to probably a couple more famous ones as we go. But first, define what a spoiler is in its current context. Like, what is it actually when we talk about them? So I think that we kind of have to go back um, a couple decades, actually, to the late 90s when the uh, Internet is first really entering homes and is really starting to be the hub of film discussion, particularly like film discussion among like film geeks Mm -hmm. who are super into movies and especially super into genre movies, science fiction, fantasy, comic book stuff, things like that. And in that time, there's this term spoiler that makes the leap from news groups where it had been circulating and news groups just to really take you back were these like 
like these, um, they were essentially message boards that were like hosted on like email servers. It's a very weird and complicated concept. And you had to have like special access to them to be able to, to go into them. But a lot of people who were on the super early internet, we're talking early eighties here, use these news groups first to talk about like important tech stuff and then slowly to talk about more topics. So things like the term spoiler originated there it makes the leap to the comment section of some of these film geek websites and in the articles there's this term spoiler which basically means don't spoil the plot of a movie and at the time it kind of was like you don't want to spoil the ending you don't want to spoil any major twists major reveals but you know knowing kind of what's happening in the movie what the movie's about that's probably okay and generally that was sort of the rule that critics followed as well you know you think about a big twist movie that came out around that time the sixth sense which is a twisty movie that came out in this time in the late 90s you look at critics reviews you look at like discussion of that movie on some of these websites it's all the same they're all working to preserve the twist which is one of the most famous twists in film history and deservedly so very good twist And like, it wasn't that different of a treatment. What sort of happens is the further we get from that time, from that late 90s period, the more spoiler sort of comes to me knowing anything about the plot in advance. I'm overstating and exaggerating a little bit, but you look at a recent movie like Spider-Man No Way Home, which came out last year. Mm -hmm. That's a movie where there are some things that I suppose I would think going into that movie, I, I would like to have preserved. There are some big story turns, especially late in the movie that I was glad not to know, but there were other things that, you know, uh, you would hear people saying it was a huge spoiler to know, for instance, that there were multiple versions of Spider-Man in this movie from multiple movie franchises. Right. And yet like that was sort of all over the buzz that was all over the marketing that was all over the rumor mill. And like, you, it is impossible to talk about that movie in a critical sense without discussing that key plot point. And just to extend this even further, when you think about the idea of spoilers, you're often just thinking about plot information. You're not thinking about, for instance, a really cool shot or a really cool like musical cue or something like that. And arguably, the thing you're going to remember most from these movies that's going to stick in your brain is that cool shot is that super cool moment and like yeah a a really good twist can stick with you but i would argue that's different from just like knowing anything about the story in advance so that that is a very short but also very long explanation of uh spoilers and where they stand in our culture right now when did spoiling things for people or not spoiling them for people become a battleground. I'm glad you mentioned the sixth sense because that was maybe my first uh, encounter with, as you say, people trying not to spoil other people. But I am thinking specifically here now of people driving by the midnight release of one of the Harry Potter books and screaming out their car that, uh, spoiler alert, Snape kills Dumbledore. And What? Yeah, and it becoming a massive, um, it was like, it was a news story. It wasn't just an entertainment story that people were doing this. And, and spoiling yeah. things for someone became like just incredibly uh, evil. And yeah. Yeah. 
And you hear anecdotal stories about people saying, telling uh, folks as they were leaving Empire Strikes Back, you know, saying, oh, Darth Vader's Luke's father. Spoilers, by the way. Um, And like people just being aghast about that. I think there has always been sort of an instinct within some kind of jerk human beings to really go and, you know, troll the audience make the like most jerky decision you can make. And that is always been with us. It has always been with us. And I don't know, you know, that we're ever going to be rid of it. I think where this really becomes a battleground though, is when social media enters the most people's lives. You look at the Snape kills Dumbledore moment. That's in the early days of MySpace and Facebook. So that's the kind of time when these like weird little personal anecdotes can take on a life of their own. And then once Twitter comes around in 2007 and starts gaining a lot of users in like 2009, 2010, that's a time when spoiling for sport sort of becomes a thing that again, a lot of jerks do And because this is a platform that is not really moderated, they can do that at will and it makes people very upset and it turns everything into a spoiler minefield. I went and saw the movie Avengers Endgame with my then editor, one of my very dear friends. And she, we walked out of that movie and she said, yeah, the person who wrote the entire plot of this on Facebook a couple days ago, they had it all right. And she was like kind of upset about that. And I get that. I think that there is a kind of being spoiled that is legitimately cruel, that a person spoiling you is not being a very nice person. But I think that that has crafted in some people a kind of intense paranoia around the idea of spoilers at all, which has redounded to the rest of our conversation on what it means to be spoiled, what it means to have art, all of these things in a way that has not been beneficial. I think the way that so many of these films are boiled down to just the plot reveals makes discussing them harder. And I would argue has made some aspects of the movies worse. Well, that was going to be my next question. So I'm going to ask you now, when a spoiler or a series of spoilers becomes the main thing that people know or don't know about a film or a TV show, what happens to that work? And, you know, the first you mentioned the the most recent Spider-Man, all I remember from that was the debate over whether or not uh, Andrew Garfield was going to be in the movie or not, Um, which obviously (laughs) had nothing to do with the actual, well, I guess it had a small part to do with the actual plot of the movie, but like, yeah, that's the only conversation I knew about it. Um, What happens to those films? It is really funny how the spoilers that, become spoilers now are so much more about like corporate machinations it's so much more about like well you know will sony get the rights to this character to put them in a spider-man movie from the disney corporation i don't want to know that that's a spoiler what a weird thing to have be a spoiler you know that's like with that andrew garfield thing or you know you do think about um avengers endgame which which is a movie that i i you know i really love that movie but the first half of that movie roughly it is pretty rare for two characters to share the frame at the same time and a lot of that is because they made it in such a way where they brought in actors singly to come in and say, you know, their lines without any context. So they're just sort of delivering them in a vacuum. 
not playing off of anything. And you can feel it. The chemistry in that first half is lacking. It's once all the Avengers get together and go back into the past where they had to have people in the same room in the same frame because the plot is so complicated and you want those actors playing off each other. That's when the movie really starts to take off. So yes, I would argue that in some ways this conversation around spoilers is making movies worse. I think it's especially made superhero movies worse. Like there, there are good superhero movies being made. You know, I I loved this recent Batman movie, but I loved it, you know, in spite of all the stuff I knew about it. I think there is the article that I think sort of prompted me coming on here. I talked to an author of a book. He's an author of a fantasy novel that has sort of a fascinating relationship to spoilers. I hope we can delve into but let's do that right now. Yeah. Tell me about Mordu. And yeah, it's okay. Spoil it. <laughs> Mordu is a fantasy novel about this strange city where a lot of interesting things are possible. Our main character is a young boy named Nathan, and he can manipulate something that's called the living mud, which is ground that's just sort of laying there mucky, and he can turn form it into things and then sort of give them life. And no one's quite sure why this can happen. Some people within Mordu can do this. The mud itself sometimes coughs up these weird little things. And then as the book goes on and goes on, it's sort of this question as to why there are all these powers in Mordu. And then a hundred pages from the end of the book, you find out that God is dead and buried underneath Mordu and like his powers have seeped into the soil. Here's the thing though. If you look at the book jacket copy of this book, the first sentence is God is dead and buried beneath Mordu. And Mm -hmm. I read that and that's why I picked up the book. I was like, that's a cool concept for a book. And then I actually read the book and it's this huge reveal very late in the book. And the author, Alex Phoebe um, told me, you know, he didn't necessarily, he didn't write that marketing copy. And when it came to him, he was sort of like concerned about the spoiler aspect, but the book has sold much better than his other books because there's that huge spoiler in the book jacket and they're kind of leaning into it. I'm actually not going to spoil this, but if you go and read the book jacket copy for book two, it spoils the ending of book one just brazenly. And one other thing that I love about this book is that it has at the end of more do a glossary of important terms. And if you are like stuck on a term or stuck on a thing, it actively invites you to go back there and read more about it. And it just tells you everything. It just says, here's how this exists within the world of this book. Here's how it's used. Here's how it's being used. There's spoilers in that glossary that appear to point to what happens in future books. I don't know because I haven't read them. Phoebe told me that he wrote that from the perspective of someone who is in power in Mordu and is therefore using this information to sort of keep the ruling class in power. But one thing I find fascinating is the way that he sort of ties this idea of like spoilers and what information is disseminated to you when and which information you are quote unquote allowed to have to the idea of the ruling class manipulating the information that you have, manipulating the information you can find and manipulating the narratives that you're allowed to hear. And like, I don't know if I'm going to go all the way down that road, but I'm fascinated by that idea that like spoiler paranoia is a plot by the ruling class. I think that's just such a fascinating idea. And I hate spoiler paranoia so much that I'm just going to say it's true. It is a plot by the ruling class and you are being manipulated. (laughs) 
My name is John Cullen, and I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and curling. It's the story of Broomgate, how a single broom, yes, a broom, turned friends into foes and almost killed the 500-year-old sport of curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. Broomgate, available now. Here is the other aspect to that. On the one hand, you have a completely spoiler paranoid uh, group of people, class of people who feel that this is a really important thing about how movies and films should be consumed. <laughs> On the other hand, you also have an equally militant is maybe too strong a word, but an equally uh, convinced group of people who read Wikipedia while they watch movies or who look up the plot of a film that they don't plan to watch just so they know what happened in it or who who do that before they see a horror movie because they don't want to be too scared, just a little bit scared. Um, so, like, there, there's a whole rebellion against uh, spoilers as well, especially with these, um, you know, premium TV shows that often require an investment of 10 or 12 hours to get through a season. Yeah, you know, I watched, I really loved The Dropout, which is the um, show about Elizabeth Holmes starring Amanda Seyfried. But I spent that whole time just like looking up, oh, this is what Elizabeth Holmes was up to. I had not previously been interested in the Elizabeth Holmes story. That show made me interested. So I was cool, you know, looking up the wiki information because like I kind of knew where it was headed. I knew enough. I live in the culture. I live in the world. My wife is an inveterate spoiler when she watches these docudramas. She was watching Winning Time, which is a show about the 80s Lakers, mm -hmm. and just having a blast, like looking up all of these characters and all of these things that they were doing and seeing what the show got right and what the show got wrong. And then you have the flip side of that, which is, and this is another one of those sort of apocryphal stories that spread throughout the culture, but you have people who didn't know the Titanic sank and they went and saw the movie Titanic in 1997 and were like, I didn't know it sank. It's so sad. Or they would be like, why did, why did Leonardo DiCaprio have to die? And then someone would be like, well, you know, it's, it's based on a true story. There was this enormous boat that really sank. And they would be like, what? <laughs> and to me, you know, the Titanic is one of those foundational stories that everybody hears when they're tiny because we've turned it into this myth of human hubris. But like, not everybody knows everything. And I think that spoiler paranoia exists in this space of everybody wanting to have a particular experience of a thing that is unique to them and yet we live in a culture in which we're all talking to each other constantly so no one can entirely have an experience that is unsullied by the thoughts of others and i think that whether you're super spoiler paranoid or whether you are what i call hyper spoiled that person who goes on wikipedia that person who may reads the plot of the horror movie before they see it to know if they're going to be you know too scared of anything or someone who might be a survivor of sexual assault or something like that, who checks out a plot of a film to find out if there's going to be anything in there that they uh, can't handle right. or are going to be bothered by mm -hmm. all of these, you know, folks are sort of living in this same space of wanting their experience to be curated in some way that I think is defensible, that I think is fine in most of these cases. It's once you take, that experience that you want to have and sort of project it onto everybody else that I start to, I start to quibble and I start to question. This is why I don't make 
uh, my wife or anyone else rewatch things with me. This is the last thing I want to ask you about is I often, when we think about spoilers and how much they dictate our reaction uh, to a film or a show or a book, I always end up thinking that that's why I end up rewatching things because once you have the details of the plot out of the way, so you're no longer reading or watching for like what happens next, what happens next, what's the big twist, then you can consume the other parts of the art that you mentioned earlier, you know, a really great shot or a really uh, well-worded phrase or whatever it is um, without just being so laser focused on what's going to happen next in this plot and what's about to happen that I don't expect. Because I do feel like, especially superhero movies, um, every piece of entertainment that's trying to get me to spend time with it now is trying to to give me a reason why I absolutely have to give it my time because I won't believe what happens in hour two or whatever it is. Um, and if I just want to appreciate like some well-made cinema, I'm going to watch something that I can actually appreciate because I don't have to worry about like, oh my God, what's the big reveal? Yep, yep, yep. I recently saw the film um, Everything Everywhere All at Once, which is just a tremendous film, uh, probably one of the best in in recent memory. Um, I, I'm going to be uh, very surprised. If it's not on my top 10 at the end of the year, then it was an amazing year in movies, and we're all very grateful. I saw that, and I deliberately did not spoil myself. I'm generally someone who doesn't care if I get spoiled or not, but I had heard you need to know as little about this as possible going in. So I was like, okay. I'm going to just try and stay away from news about this movie. And I did. And then I saw the movie and there was stuff in there. I wish I'd known going in. And that's just me. That's just my experience. But I do think there is something to when you know the story, when you are not just incredibly focused on what comes next, then something opens up for you and you're able to appreciate other qualities of it. This is a thing that I sort of experienced being a TV critic for many years where we would get screeners of episodes and I would watch them all beforehand to do a review. And then I would watch them again to recap. And once I knew the plot, those episodes opened up to me in a way that was really compelling and really um, fascinating and just really a thing that I loved as I watched them again. I do think there is something to the idea that something that is only its plot, where once you know the plot, there's not a lot else there to dissect, then I think that's maybe a weaker work. Now, I'm not a, I wasn't a big fan of Spider-Man No Way Home. I think there's good stuff in there. I know so many people though, for whom that movie has been a huge comfort watch who, you know, watch it over and over and over again. So clearly there's something in there that has brought them back, but there's all sorts of these big blockbusters where they make a lot of money and there's a lot of conversation. And then, you know, a few weeks later, they kind of have left the conversation entirely. And I think that's uh, often a sign of a movie that doesn't have a lot inside of it outside of what it has on the surface. So I think the rewatch test is often the test of if something is a worthwhile and and compelling work on its own. And I, you know, I think that my idea of what that is will be different from your idea because we're different people and we value different things in art. But the next time I see everything everywhere all at once, which I'm going to do very soon, I'm going to be so happy to know the story because I can just sit back and enjoy the things and watch it as they come. And just to sort of close out, there's a thing Alex Phoebe, the author of Mordu, told me in my interview with him. 
he loves to rewatch his favorite things over and over again. And he sort of says that when you rewatch something or reread something, you give yourself a, a resuspension of disbelief. Like he said, he's probably read the Lord of the Rings books more than other books. And like, you know, you know, the Lord of the Rings story, cause it's this culturally omnipresent thing. But like when he rereads it, he's forgetting, you know, that Frodo and Sam are going to go to Mount Doom and all of these things. So here's his quote. Um, he says, you don't go into the Marvel movie Eternals and think to yourself, okay, I bet all these people are going to die and the world will end. And the last 45 minutes will be like Tarkovsky. He's referring to the great uh, Soviet director who made like very minimalist sci-fi movies that are like very um, empty and lonely in a, in a really barren and sparse way and the opposite of Marvel movies. Mm -hmm. Phoebe goes on to say, the same can be said of a roller coaster. You know you're not going to die. That knowledge isn't sufficient to put you off experiencing it. And this is me again. This is Emily St. James talking. I, I mean, treat more things like that roller coaster where you walk up to it and you see the hill going up and you see the plunge and you know you're going to do that. And the fun is in the anticipation I think when you learn to appreciate and enjoy that anticipation and not to sort of fear being told what's going to happen, I think that a lot of things just really open up to you. Um, and I, that would be my, that would be my, my wish for the world to just sort of accept that you will be spoiled sometimes, get mad at the people who do it deliberately as jerks, but also just sort of live in this reality and understand that these things happen and that a work is more than its plot. That is a beautiful way to end and also uh, gives me tacit permission to go reread The Lord of the Rings. Thank you so much, Emily. <laughs> You're welcome. It was great to be here. Emily St. James for Vox. That was The Big Story. I'm sorry if we spoiled you. You can hear more at thebigstorypodcast.ca. You can complain about the fact that now I've ruined Star Wars by following us on Twitter at TheBigStoryFPN or emailing us at hello at TheBigStoryPodcast.ca. You can find this podcast everywhere you get your podcasts. You can even ask for it on your favorite smart speaker. Just say, play The Big Story Podcast. Thanks for listening. I'm Jordan Heath-Rawlings. Have a great weekend, and we'll talk Monday. My name is John Cullen, and I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and curling. It's the story of Broomgate, how a single broom, yes, a broom, turned friends into foes and almost killed the 500-year-old sport of curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. Broomgate, available now.